Well, welcome to Desire. <laughs> Can we start back? Just no, we're not <laughs> starting back again. I can't even see the name of our podcast. That's all, folks. That's really cute. That, uh, so I'm, I'm, we're at Desire the Fire podcast, and uh, we're joined by Mr. and Mrs. Andrew Kim. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> uh, but uh, if you, uh, this is this should be the first episode. So. Uh, Hello everybody, this is Chandler, and I want to welcome um, this pole sticking into my forehead. <laughs> Actually, um, at the other end of this pole is Dina Kim, my wife. Hello, I am Andrew's wife. Yes, but my name is not Andrew Kim, my name is Chandler. <laughs> <laughs> We're probably the two people that, no, your parents probably call you Andrew too, right? They call, they call me Andy. Andy. Yeah. <laughs> India. What about uh, your sister? Opa. Opa. <laughs> that makes sense. So, are we the only two people that ever call you Andrew then? No, because you guys call me Andrew now. Other people start calling me Andrew. <laughs> Church people. Church people. Call I mean, me Chandler. Andrew. Sorry, Chandler. Uh, I'm fuming right now. There's steam coming from my ears. <laughs> okay, so welcome to Desire the Fire. Um, I'm DP, last, but. This is officially least. the first time that we have a female. As well as a third person in Wait, we already mentioned this studio. in the other episode, though. Except that's we actually recorded the next episode before this episode. <laughs> should we start over? No, we're not starting over. Okay. If you're listening to this, you should be as confused as we are. Because <laughs> we don't know what we're doing. Uh, there's a band called, I think it was Reliant K. Yes. Was it Reliant K? Maybe it was uh, somebody else. But there's a track on there that says... Literally, I just wasted 10 seconds of your yeah, and it's life. Actually like, it's actually like 14 seconds. It's Reliant K. And we wasted a minute, but it's actually like a minute, three seconds. So sorry about that. Not really. But uh, moving on. Today, we're going to talk about a, a very... Uh, Shout out to our sponsor. Uh, who, they don't care about us anymore. <laughs> we lost the only sponsor we had. Oh, we've been, they've been trolling me too hard, and I got, I got a little butt hurt. Wait, are you serious? Stuff. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, uh, uh, you can't ask that in the middle of my trolling. Who's trolling? <laughs> anyway, uh, we, we we had one sponsor, and they didn't pay us. <laughs> they actually allowed it, us to use their studio for a while. Sound a soundproof studio. Except is, Daniel Peck had to go and move to San Diego, and so it got kind of. It hard. was not my choice, everybody. I just want to let you know it was not my choice for Daniel Peck to move to San Diego. That is the main reason, and let's say the only reason, this podcast has come out so late. Yes. Okay. Good. I, I like that. It's too. all your fault. <laughs> um, but God's the one that asked me to go to San Diego. So if this podcast crashes and burns because <laughs> God's pissed off at you, then I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, yeah, yes. Anyway, uh, yeah. So from our new location, uh, located here in. Uh, Lovely Orange County. Uh, well, we just wanted to uh, talk about an interesting topic today. Today it's going to be a little more focused on two particular aspects, uh, and it's going to be another one of those versus uh, versus podcasts where we put one versus the other. Just kidding. Street really. Fighter. Street Fighter. But uh, basically, today we're going to talk about uh, the parachurch ministry as opposed to the church ministry, and not that they are conflicted, but more along the lines of how uh, we need to understand them and how we can. Uh, Really radiate together. Radiate together? Well, are we, are we, is there a lot fire. of radiation? There's <laughs> Radiate means to like shine, right? Radiation? Burn together? 
That doesn't sound very good. Die together? How can how we can burn together? We're Desire the Fire Cat podcast. Anyway, at the stake. <laughs> well, we got into very uncomfortable demon talk. Uh, with witches. So, what stuff. is our topic today? So we're gonna. No, I already said it. We're talking about <laughs> parachurches and churches. Oh, really? Yeah, Sorry, I wasn't paying attention. Yes, it's very <laughs> obvious now. <laughs> I was too focused on making fun of you. <laughs> I just want to make you feel awkward with that sign. That's For happening. all of you that can hear that um, eating noise, it's Dina eating <laughs> You can hear it. Yeah, of course. It's, you're just, you're right in front jerky. of it. Oh, and you're like... Nom, nom, nom. Sorry. So if you guys wanted to have a nice study on the human biology through <laughs> audible podcasting... Um, just kidding. Anyway, um, yeah, we are going to talk about the church and the parachurch. Do you like going to church, Daniel? Um, I have a story about that. Sometimes I don't. <laughs> but no, let's be honest. Uh, yeah, church is, church is great. Especially the one I'm going to now. It's, it's a great community. Partially because all my students go to my campus as well. No way. So it's it's really easy. So you see them and they see you all the time. All the time. Are you a chundo there? Uh, they call me a kanza there. So oh, so you're a kanza wherever you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's easier. You know, there's no confusion. They're not calling you like chundo sanyam at church. Yeah. I mean, like chundo sanyam on campus, and like you're like, oh, but I'm not a pastor. Yeah. Here. You know, so I mean, it's cool. Oh, uh, it's it's real easy setup. And do you speak? Like weekly? Uh, every other week, actually. Every we have a good week? setup there. Oh, wow. this church is awesome. Uh, I work with another uh, pastor. And we have really? a fused, like a hybrid youth college ministry going on together. Youth college ministry? Mm-hmm. That's rare. What's, is it a it's, small church? No. Uh, well, the college kind of overwhelms. Because, you know, we, we have all the uh, all our my co- campus people campus people coming over there. There you go. Thank you. Uh, well, because of that, there's a good, like, 40, 50... On a regular basis, and it's pretty cool. So it's like junior high to, yeah, fifth year college, sixth year college, and then like myself and and yourself. <laughs> yeah, I've ministered too. It's actually what I really like about this church in particular is, I'm not the one always giving the messages, and so I get to hear a message every week and stuff. And it is, it must be refreshing. Mm, definitely, especially, it's not just a, I have to give a message and then I'm hearing someone else's message on the same day. And so there's one week. One week where I can just kind of like take it easy and not not do anything. So going off of um, so your church does that well. Mm-hmm. But what about churches in general? What do churches do well? Churches do a lot of things well. What do you mean well? <laughs> the strength of the church. What basically. what what is the strength? I guess for your church, Daniel, what would you say your your strength um of your church is? Uh, well, in my ministry in particular, there's a good uh connection between the age gap uh there's a, i mean there's a serious maturity gap that goes from middle school all the way to college and even post-college and they've been doing a good job in trying to bridge that and overcome that and so well, what's nice about that is there's a good role model for the younger ones to look up to um they're seeing people like because I, I don't know if you've heard uh this statistic recently but they're saying like even less than one ten percent of kids that go to college now are going to stay in church. And that so, means less than 10% now? Yeah, I mean, uh, let's be honest. Uh, they say even 10% of that group, uh, only 10% of that, that remaining 10% stay Christian as they go out into the workforce. But then that's not that's excluding people that come to Christ later in life. That's true. 
So anyway, but that's a, okay. Okay, I see what you're saying. I see but you're yeah, saying. they're they're able to see a good model of the people that do stay and stick around at church even after college and even after getting into college and stuff. So one of the nice things is you get this this broad scope of of not just my friends who are Christian and myself and my, what our faith needs to look like, but my hongs and my nunas or my older brothers and sisters and and who are Christian and what they look like, even though they're working or even though they're studying and so on and so forth. And so um, definitely one of the great strengths of our church. But you guys go to a different church together, which is kind of a unique in formula in that it's a second second generation church, EM church. Is that church plant? Mm-hmm. Church plant. We there are, you go. Yes, we are so plant. you guys do have your own strengths at your church as well. We're we're small still, um, con- comparably. Mm-hmm. Um, I think our church for a church plant is very. Um, we're doing pretty financially well for right now. I think. Um, I think we're still growing, um, but even within the growth. Um, we're going to we're going to go to missions. Um, we just have our first. I think how how old is our church now? Like a, a year old. Going on two. Going on two years in March. In in March, and I think um, we're we've already set up like we're going to go dig wells in El El Salvador, and um, we have small groups. Um, we have a functioning like shell going already, and uh, we've I guess. We have some problems with um, location right now, but um, other than that, um, it's a good base to start off with, and I think we're slowly starting to grow. Yeah, and I think the strength of a second-generation church plant may be um, really the the long-term aspect for those of us as second-generation EM ministry members who are marrying and having children to really be part of the pillar and like the deacon and the elders of the church and being more involved than just attending an EM forever while your children uh, is growing in the same children's ministry that you went to. Um, And I think that's probably the strongest part of our church is that it allows our generation to be actually the church members. Yeah. Yeah. And church leaders, not just attendees. Okay. And, you know, just going off of, off of that, these are the strengths of our churches, but churches in general have a lot that they can, uh, that, that that we can definitely benefit from. And one of the things that uh, I I heard from my old church, so uh, the EM department head at my previous church uh, mentioned this fact, and he was concerned because his daughter was checking out different churches. Uh, she was part of our church, but didn't have a lot of peers. There was only like four people in our college group at the time. And so she was checking out other churches, and she came across this other church. Um, not going to say which church it was, but he he asked me to do some research for him about this church, and like it's one that I'd heard of like vaguely. I mean, I pulled up the website and looked into that kind of stuff, and he had preferred that his daughter go to a church with the with a well established denomination. And here's the reason for it, which kind of surprised me. It's not because of the the teachings per se of. Uh, the denomination that we he followed. Uh, we were a Presbyterian church at the time, but he was saying that there are lessons that certain denominations have have gone through. That there are things there have been hurts that they've overcome together as a denomination and have set rules in place to kind of protect against. That he was afraid that like if if his daughter is a member of a fledgling church that they might not necessarily be aware of, and as a result of that, he just wanted to protect her from 
the, some, some of the same hurts that he received uh, growing up in the church and his own personal experience as well. And so one of the nice things about church um, that, I, that I really like is, you guys touched base on it, is this aspect of family where there are lessons learned, there are generations past where uh, what we can learn is not just a matter of of what I learned in my lifetime, but there's like a, a generations of learning that contribute and ultimately create the structure that, that we're able to, to follow under. Um, but... I think when we take that back into the parachurch context, uh, from my understanding, there's no parachurch ministry that exists at this moment that's lasted over, let's see, mine started in the 50s, and it's like 2010s. I don't think there's anything over 80 years old, whereas many of these denominations have started back in like the 1600s or 1700s and so on and so forth. And um, I, I think the strength of the church is exactly what the parachurch lacks in, in that aspect too and so we're talking about these different churches and stuff like that um there there's your guys's church where we have like this multi-functioning different churches as well um you have your church which is strong strong in that and my church which is strong because of a different makeup of of the parishioners at our church but there's also other churches uh, you guys were involved in uh do you know you were involved in a very big church uh before a mega church a mega church yeah and um i mean there's strengths in that as well right i've never been a part of a mega church like that I mean, what are some of the things that you might have observed during that time yeah there's there's always pros and cons but i definitely walked away f from that church which was my main church for majority of my spiritual walk um seeing that the blessings of a mega church is that it re it has a wide net, so it reaches out to a whole lot more people than a 20-person church, which is where me and Andrew go right now. Not only that, it allows those who may not be like me and Andrew in the sense of our spiritual goals and objectives, it allows anyone in their spiritual walk, um, young, old, mature, immature, um, falling away or coming back, to really... Um, to be captured back into God's grace. And I think that is a blessings of a mega church. And there's also obviously cons, and I'm sure many of you guys out there have experienced the cons, but the pro is that it, it ministers, it, it inevitably ministers because of its size. And I think that's what matters in the end. Okay. And um, Chandler, on the other hand, went to a smaller church and he grew up in a smaller church, which was low key, very involved in parachurch ministry without you realizing it as well. Right. Uh, so, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there were strengths in your church as well that you noticed, uh, even though it's a very different makeup of your church. Can you kind of elaborate on some of that from your your own personal background and experience as well? Huh. <laughs> this huh. long, like, blinks there. <laughs> I think, I guess, it was a double sword, double-edged sword in the sense that um, it's such a small, tight-knit community that... Um, I was able to influence and mentor kind of people, um, other guys, other kids, other, I, I consider them kids, but they're just younger, you know, and even at that, not by much, if you think about it, but, um, for a long time, like over the course of years. So people that you've known since they were like first grade, when you, you know, when you're in fifth grade, you're able to grow up and see, and they're, because they see you grow and because they they were able to see um, a transformation or the choices you made compared to like other people that they've seen, um, you're able to impact their lives in a way that 
you can only do over that span of time. Um, and yeah, it, it, it was, it's one of the reasons why ultimately I, I stepped away because I was the only, like the other person that you're talking about, um, I was the only person that was my age for a long time because it was such a small group. And and you were the leader of everything. Yes, I, I led elementary worship. I led youth worship. I, I led um, EM worship. And then I led a prayer meeting after that. And then discipleship meeting after that. And then I got tired. <laughs> so, I mean... Um well, while the small churches have their strengths, uh, I think we are uncovering some of the weaknesses of the church, which um, kind of brings us into a nice segue uh, of our next portion. We have these parachurches that exist now that kind of exist to to aid and abet, even supplement some of the areas where our churches are lacking. And um, what I've noticed is being a member of, of various and, and multiple different sizes of churches is that the agenda... Not it doesn't always get uh, fully voiced by the whole church. There are often times where it's just a small panel of people that that do get to decide the direction of the church and where it's going to go, and everyone else just kind of votes yes or doesn't vote on it and stuff like that. And it, church kind of has a tendency to move along in that sense too. And so one of the things that uh, I've noticed is that at least this is what got me first in- introduced to the parachurch ministry and what I'm doing now is there's. There was there was an aspect of the church that wasn't uh, as uh, what's the word it wasn't pushed for as much as as it is now and I think that the church has progressed a long way in, into doing this but for me uh, one of the things was missions uh, the word missions uh, when I was growing up it, it had this implication of um, you think about those bald like brown robed catholic priests that come to like friar tuck yeah like you know like a cl- along the west coast like we we grew up with it we're in california in san francisco san diego santa monica all these different sands and santas sands and santas they're, like they're all based on like catholic missions uh from like the 18 1700s and stuff like that and for me the word mission had this implication of like uh, there were it's Spanish-based or Portuguese-based or Dutch-based people that would travel to other places, and and that was like a historical thing and not like a current modern-day context type of thing. So when I first got introduced to the the parachurch ministry that we were all members of, it was weird to see college students going overseas for missions every year, and in fact trained to do that and going out to do that. And I remember uh, we all went to our first missions the same year, I think, uh, at least with this ministry. And it, it was interesting because I remember having come to Christ only six months before and going out there and sharing the gospel. And it was the craziest thing because I knew how to share the gospel within six months. Were you in the I country? Yeah, the, yeah, I went to that country too. <laughs> There's a lot of Muslims there, you know? <laughs> I'm like, I remember going out there and thinking like, wow, this is crazy that six months after I received Christ, we can go out to share the gospel. I remember talking to you and being excited with you. About doing that? Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, crazy, remember, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I remember with a strong, compelling conviction, uh, just going out there and stuff like that, which uh, goes to, I think, uh, Chandler, you mentioned this in our show notes, but uh, uh, one of the strengths of, of what a parachurch ministry is, is that it focuses, you know, and like you, you use an interesting terminology if you want to kind of elaborate on that about the special ops type of thing. He just elaborated on it. Oh, I said everything. <laughs> this could very well just be me talking this whole time. I'm, tr- I'm trying to get away from doing that. but uh, I'll elaborate okay, on yeah, it. Okay, yeah, thank you. <laughs> no. Well, I, I think, and maybe this is 
in the same you know alignment as what you guys think or not but uh church is fundamental it's important it's almost a must like going to church on sunday it's you can't be a leader at a parachurch and not be going to church at all like it doesn't make sense it's like you can't have you cannot eat daily like meals and just it's like live off power supplements. bars every day yeah <laughs> but at the same time um i think there's two different categories there are people who are leaders in parachurches and leaders in the church and they have this conf- conflicted uh, position uh, not knowing where to serve and what takes priority and then there's another group where they're not involved in church and they're not involved in parachurch and i feel like for those people both the church and the parachurch is there so that they could come closer to christ but for the first group that i mentioned um I really think, you know, parachurch is really on top of the church, but it also is like the special operations, the Navy SEALs. Like, it's more intense, it's more intimate, it requires more commitment. The intimacy amongst the community of disciples or fellowship is is every day because you're on college, you're on campus every day, you see them every day. And so this pos- this potential for ministry or for God to speak to you through these people is so much greater than church where you, unfortunately you only see them once a week because the church is too large or people are scattered everywhere. And so I feel like church is a must, but if you're in college and you have an opportunity to join a parachurch, that it's going to boost up your spirituality. Like I've I've never read so much Bible ever in my life than in my four years of college. And it's the first time I actually read through the whole book of the Bible. And there's so many other benefits and discipleship and testimonies that come out of it. But I know there are people who got really hurt from the church and who got really hurt from the parachurch because they were conflicted. And they're not all multitaskers like me. Like I went to church, served there, and I went to the parachurch and served there. And it was not an easy thing. But... um, you know, going, not going to church on Sundays, that's, I feel like that's not something you can compromise regards to how much you're involved at church. Um, it really is your discernment. And I think God will give you the right answer according to who you are and your abilities and characteristics. But I feel like take the opportunity of the parachurch in the four years, because that's going to only help your church for the rest of your life. Yeah, definitely. I think um, one of the key words is supplements and um, in college, usually um, your parachurch would be like a, a campus club, I think. But um, later on in life, it, it could be a little bit different. And um, most of the time, parachurches are, are associated with like clubs and stuff like that, I think. But I think there's other ones out there like, I don't know, Bible Translation Ministry. Yeah, there's tons. There's um, like... there's like Yeah, M- there's Wycliffe. M- uh, which MMA, uh, MMA for Christ. Oh, yeah, there's like a movie that? on that too, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's that. Yeah, sure. I mean, you can even argue that like the Salvation Army and that kind of stuff is a... It's kind of like a paramilitary parachurch. <laughs> but yeah, I think um, there's so many different ways that can supplement mm-hmm. to what is already there. And I think it's it's just the condition of the church right now in the sense that um, there are some things that the church isn't able to do, let's just say, or you may be a part of a ministry that is unable to do a certain part of ministry that you have a heart in. The parachurch ministry or a different like ministry would be able to take that desire 
and push it forward or give you an opportunity to do those things. So one of the things that Dina brought up too, I thought was an interesting point that we need to make note. Um, there have been conflicts between the two parties and uh, it kind of goes back to like Philippians where like Paul was talking about how while he was in prison, there's this one group of people within the church in Philippi where we're arguing the gospel in one way and then there's another group that was talking the gospel in the other way. And it's like, who cares? The gospel is being preached. It's like one of the greatest things out there. But I think even within the church and the parachurch, uh, there have been a lot of hurts. And uh, I know a lot of people that have been hurt by it. Uh, and I talked to a, a number of pastors who, um, I mean, they shake their head every time they think about the parachurch ministry. And it's with a reluctant acceptance of the fact that, yeah, they're students and they're, 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 the members of their church, they are growing, and so it's kind of like grudging acceptance as opposed to like real blessing and encouraging. And I, I don't know. I have my thoughts too, but I was just wondering what you guys thought might be one of the roots of those uh, those problems and conflicts that arise between the, the two parties. I think um, just like what you said, um, a lot of church leaders and people that go to church, um, one of the things that they think of is uh, they think that the church should be able to do it all like the parachurch ministry and all those other excessive things that are outside of the church. Mm -hmm. They shouldn't even exist. I think that's one of the things that, um, people have a misconception of. You mean students or members feel that church is sufficient and parachurch is just excessive. Yeah. Like they're wasting their time and resources to do something outside of church when the church should be taking care of those things. And that's one of the things that I actually struggled with while I was going to both parachurch and church, mm. because those are the things that were spoken of. Um, and I think that's a constant conversation for people that are, excuse me, for people that are, uh, choosing for the first time whether to do one or the other because normally people struggle with their time issue and then they're like, you have to choose one. You can't do both. Okay. Uh, so I guess a nice follow-up to that would be then, like, how did you resolve some of these questions? Because obviously four years of your life uh, or when you when you were uh, just dealing Are you with interviewing these both me? Are you interviewing me right now? Yes. Okay. Well, myself, how I decided to go about these things was that, well, most of the time, parachurch ministries are um, just for a certain amount of time. For those college ministries that take up a lot of time, you get four years, maybe a little bit more if you stay in college for longer, um, your choice. But you get that time and that's it. Like You're not going to be able to go back to parachurch or whatever your campus club and be like, Hey, I want to be president. And I'm like, you're like 30 years old and you're, you, that's it. <laughs> you graduated, man. Where are you going? What are you trying to do? I mean, you could always stay another year in college. Yeah, you can, but you can't go back like that. You know, it just, it doesn't make sense. Your, your time period and your time frame is done. And I think sometimes, you know, you are called to just stay at church. And there's sometimes when you need to dedicate your time, when you're, you're, um, a part of a ministry at church that you have to take care of and that's your responsibility and God has called you to do that, I think go for it. That's fine. But you have to understand that um, what time you spend at church during that time period, you're in college at least, you're not going to be able to go back and say, oh, I still wanted to do that mm -hmm. and um, I still want to go to the campus club and win the campus or whatever. Like that time is gone. So it's either 
do this or do that. Or, you know, you can do both. Like a lot of people, one's going to suffer most likely, or both of them will suffer, but you can still do both if you're selfishly wanting to be blessed that much. And what, what I feel like goes wrong is how that particular person gives the answer or who they are in the church or in the parachurch. Um, and what I mean by that is, let's say your pastor has asked you to help out at retreat and you're like, I'm sorry, like I'm already doing this parachurch stuff. I can't help you. And it comes off very standoffish. I feel like it invites a response that is offended, uh, meaning you've offended someone. And there could be a more gent- gentler way of going about it as well. But it's this discernment being able to, you know, that the the God you're serving at church is the same God you're serving at pa- the parachurch. So the only difference is your friends are at the parachurch or your friends are at church. <laughs> and that's the discernment that adults and pastors can see through us. And it really comes down to your heart and real like servants of God like as I served in church and as I served in parachurches, like at church, pastors want parachurch leaders at their church because they serve or like at least the legitimate ones, the ones that are in for the long run because they come to church and say, how can I help? And they're just obedient and they're just serving. And it's different. It's a different like blood gene, you know, uh, it's a different group of people. And I've, in my mega church that I went to, there was a group of parachurch members and they were all in leadership. They were all willing and they all went through ups and downs. They, they weren't perfect beings, but they had a different flavor. They're willing to serve because they've gone through so much commitment and, uh, you know, like morning prayers and witnessing and just so much that Driving doing that at church. Yeah. Doing that at church is just, it's just breathing, you know? I don't know if it can be as easy as breathing, but, and so when, when I hear about issues like that, I think it has to come back to that person. Is there something they can really let go, which is, you know, a unhealthy relationship at the time, or maybe they have a bad relationship with their parents or something where it's just really blocking them from, from other people seeing what God's doing through their lives. Uh, I think uh, what you guys bring up are both like, it's great. Um, it talks about the person struggling, picking sides between one or the other, and I think uh, I have this unique opportunity to be able to play on both sides of the uh, of the of the field here. And one of the things that I know myself, and I, I'm going to assume others go through this particular thing too, is I know that there is potential for my student, my my church member, to be blessed through this avenue because I've seen it happen before, uh, whether it's through like witnessing through the parachurch or it's through uh, doing like a fellowship activity together as a church or going out to missions with the church or fellow, like vice versa, whatever it is. And as a leader, there's, to be honest, there's an insecurity where I'm not sure that this, this person that I'm in, I'm entrusted is going to go through the best possible experience uh, doing, being involved in something that I don't necessarily have my hands involved in. And so uh, I know that there's there's this isn't a simple uh, issue that exists between uh, between the two two parties here, but a lot of times what we find is that uh, uh, communication is a big issue. Yeah, um, 
the way things are phrased or the way things are are told from one leader to one student and student to the other leader then and and so on and so forth and there's there's been there's been a lot of miscommunication along the way but what i have no- noticed is that there are those who are taking progressive steps to now realize that this is here and yeah the parachurch is going to be here and it's going to stay for at least uh, at least the near future and why not take advantage of what they're able to do and draw from their strengths? Um, I like that. Well, one of the things that uh, my my uh, parachurch ministry does is uh, they actually train church leaders to to uh, to the discipleship curriculum that they operate under, and they actually train them to teach at their church. There's a church I serve at, or there's a church that we partner with down in San Diego that I work with. Uh, what they do is they actually use CC. Uh, the, the <laughs> The, the Christian curriculum that, that we, we teach through my um, parachurch ministry. And they use it as part of their own Bible study material to teach uh, their own their own church members and so on and so forth, too. So there's yeah, a whole use, um We use a different churches. We did use a different churches material for discipleship. Mm. Yeah. it's the, Why not draw from the strength? Because yeah. uh, there's it's no the need thing. for us as a church to reinvent the wheel. Moreover, as a group of Christians to... Uh, try to do what each other, we're, we've already been doing together as a ministry. So um, it, it goes into that, and l- let's face it, um, the church, parachurch is going to be here. Um, I don't see it going down anytime soon. I don't know. You, you look like you wanted to say something? No, I was going to say don't get caught up in the hype. Oh, well, yeah. But, I mean, uh, there, are serious, there are serious failings on both sides. And I think the difference between... Uh, no, I was gonna get like all sports I feel like, cliche I feel, here. I feel like though, what I've seen is that they point fingers at each other. I think that's what um, what makes it tough for the two to coexist. Where um, you're a church leader, let's say you're like a an, in a ministry, and you talk to your pastor, and you're like, "Hey, I'm thinking of doing this, this. I want to go to missions, and um, that'll." I'll be gone for like two months, let's say, and I want to go. And then church pastor's like, dude, you're, you're a leader. We're, we we won't have a small group without you, mm. you know? And um, so on this side, the pastor's like, well, you, you can go, you can always go, but we need you here. We don't, we don't have anyone else. And then they go to uh, the parachurch ministry and then they talk to that leader and it's like, you go, go, go. You have the heart now. You shouldn't wait, like, don't waste time with what your calling is already. Just go Mm. and your kids will, God will take care of the kids or something, you know, like they'll say something, something like that, which Mm. I've heard before. But yeah, it's just, and then the church pastors like points at the parachurch leader and they're like, you're taking my leader away. Mm -hmm. And he, they still get discipleship under me. And then the parachurch ministry person is like, you're stunting your, your students, your disciples growth. They need to go and they need to serve God in this way. And, you know, wh- why are you slowing them down? It's like, you, you you don't do missions well anyways. Like, let's just, they should just go. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of finger pointing, I think, and a lot of, um, it's tough. Like, if I was on either one of those sides and I was on either one of those ministry sides, mm-hmm. I would feel the exact same way for both from both sides mm, it's totally understandable but yeah. then you don't want to underestimate the intelligence of the leaders on either side of it too sometimes it's very clear <laughs> that the student is just like 
being wishy-washy and stuff like that too <laughs> so i mean there, there's a lot to, to consider running away like i mean it's it's obvious like oh i'm doing this and then you like to be honest uh even as a campus staff uh one of the things that i had the benefit of doing it, benefit of having was uh getting to know some of my students pastors and really like, yeah i mean like got to talk to some some of them we did like I forgot what it was, but uh, anyway, we, we had like this pastor's meeting, got to meet some of these kids and like went to different conferences or like different retreats. And Would they ask you like, why are you trying to take my student away? No, it's just like, hey, it's great to meet you. It's, it's great that you're doing your thing uh, on, while they're at school. And yeah, like they come back so so changed. They're really growing. And stuff. You know, the funny thing is. It's supportive. When leaders meet each other like that, uh-huh. there's, I, I think that miscommunication gets cut in half. I, I, yeah, definitely. I can see that. So like the other thing about that too, then is there's, there's a number of things that we have to understand, uh, being in one side versus the other, or just being in both or being in none is that there's, there's this, uh, need to bridge the two, but, uh, everyone, you know, you know what they say about bridges, right? The one thing about bridges is that they get walked all over and like, so, uh, there, there is that need to bring the two parties together, but somebody really needs to, to, to draw that out. And so, I mean, if we want to take a positive out of today's topic, and um, if we want to really uh, bring things together, what does that look like for us today? Well, if you're speaking from the parachurch, uh, does that mean you need to ex- extend a hand or be willing to, to uh, understand that your your reach isn't isn't the the longest one that goes out there or if you're coming from the church does it mean that yeah there's potential powerful discipleship that's occurring outside of just your own bible study ministry and so on and so forth and i think one of the things that we have to understand is that as we come from both sides of this there's no universal answer for every single person i don't know like your experience with the both sides of it is very different from uh, Dino's experience, you as in Chandler first, and then Dino's experience, you, you guys can't see me pointing to everybody over the... But we can. <laughs> but anyway, like, you know, all three of us, even the three of us have gone through very different processes and 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 learned very different lessons and stuff too. So, uh, I mean, we well, have three... Oh, go on. Yeah, you're kind of sharing about what is the perfect balance, and it is different for every church and parachurch. But um, I've had... Um, the blessings of seeing one balance of a church and parachurch partnering up. And ironically, it's the parachurch that I used to go to, and it was the pastor that led the church I used to go to as well. And um, one of the reasons I decided to stay at the mega church I was at before um, was because of this pastor who's very different, very genuine, had a love for the local church. Usually when you find someone who's very passionate, they have a love for missions and they want to get out of the local church. And that's the issue is that then we're left with all these Mm. quote unquote bad pastors. But of course there's no bad pastors, but you know what Uh, I mean? I think there are. (laughs) But um, anyways, um, he decided to leave and go up to NorCal to plant a church there. But because just he knew a lot about my parachurch because I served closely under him as well as other people who went to the same parachurch as I did. And he was very fond of it just because the leaders that were serving at his church were from this parachurch and there was a good um, correlation. So when he went up there, I didn't even know, but I found out Hedging Gunsani, which is my disciple. Oh, are we allowed to say their names? 
I mean, HJ, <laughs> which is my discipler, you know, I found out she got connected with my pastor and they have, they partnered up and I was just totally static. It's like the marriage of these two very beautiful ministries in my life working together, not to take people, but to bring people closer to God. And it's not about building up your own numbers, but bringing people closer to God. And when that happens, like when you seek first the kingdom of God, everything else just really falls in place. And I think that is a real perfect marriage because the church is there for the long run. But during those four years, it's like when you go on boot camp or when you go to go off to college, you know, your parents aren't going to be sad that you're not talking to them every day. They understand for those four years you're being trained. And so I kind of see it as that. And But at, at the same time, those um, parachurch leaders need somewhere where they could also be fed because they'll get burnt out in those parachurches unless they have a very healthy church and a, and a pastor that, who's looking out for them and shepherding them. And um, uh, that was one that I saw that was very um, promising. There are so many ways we could, we could tackle this particular um, issue. But I think at the end of the day, um, if we can just end with a couple of words of encouragement is let's be patient in and sit things out because I don't think anyone wants to knock down another person's ministry. And there are undeniable workings of Christ in both, both realms. Uh, people are growing in both sides of it. And I remember thinking, and this was so stupid that uh, the first time, so I, I came to Christ through the parachurch and the first time I came uh, to one of these retreats uh, that was just like totally church sponsored and church based and, finding other mature Christians from the church and thinking, wow, this is possible. And I remember that was just my total ignorance. Uh, but God is definitely working on both sides of this. And so in as much as we might be able to do our part to it too, let's learn to embrace and to to really uh, exhort and, and encourage each other to stronger faith. Um, it's cool because even our panel here today, uh, we're consisted of people of very different roles and different backgrounds and different levels of involvement in, in ministry and in church and in in God's kingdom business. But even still, we're able to come together to try to encourage others to follow follow and do the same. So at the end of the day, I just want to ask you guys to go out there. Um, let's stop beating each other up. Uh, I tell my students this all the time, but we have enough enemies as it is with Satan already harassing us and taking us down. We don't need another enemy in ourselves uh, by knocking each other out and pointing fingers and really placing blame. And so um, let's all just uh, hold hands and pray and we'll wrap. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> hold hands by yourself. Okay. And sing Kumbaya. And sing. What does Kumbaya mean? It's like African or something, isn't it? Oh, that's what it means, African? You racist. Uh, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Don't Africa mind him. Geog- geog- <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say black. I said African. <laughs> <laughs> Whenever you sing Kumbaya, my lord, it means it's like black, my lord. It's like African, my lord. I'm just kidding. Anyways. Thank you for uh, joining us today. And <laughs> oh, I got this. Uh, I, oh, wow. I have this great view where I can see like our wavelengths just like processing on the computer as we're, <laughs> as we're talking and stuff. And as if... Uh, and the flat lines. Yeah, the flat lines, and 
and then the timers and stuff like that. So, so you got anything you want to plug? No, that's about it. Plug, plug. Your our Twitter. I don't know. Or I think we're done with that. No one wants to follow me, anyways. I don't talk about anything relevant. Okay, then we can go <laughs> on to Instagram. Do you post up Instagram? Instagram, we'll like Mister Graham. Instagram. Oh, <laughs> that's why you said it. Instagram. 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 Do you, do you guys use it at all? I use a little bit. I you think can I follow me at uh, I am Peter Moon. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> Let's not do that. You can follow me at Chandler Andrew. One word, I think. I think I'm the same username, Super Dan Zero. I'm not very creative, and. What was mine? I think it's like Dina or D Kim four two three something like that. <laughs> I, I guess you don't use it that often. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Alrighty, and you can always follow us on Facebook. Uh, leave your comments. Uh, leave a nice message for uh, Dina, who's uh, decided to. Oh, I don't know how to phrase this. Uh, who, who's joined <laughs> us as a guest for our, our our podcast these next two weeks? Yep. And um, if you have any questions, any concerns, any other opinions and thoughts, please just uh, go ahead and leave those on our message and wall and. I'm not going to lie. We're probably not going to get back to you for like a year, but uh, I mean, it's great we for the other delegate. people. To see it. We should delegate. You should delegate it. I delegate Daniel to respond to all the messages. You're raising your hand, but like. I win! <laughs> <laughs> There's two hands that weren't up. <laughs> well, Dina's doesn't count oh. right now. <laughs> Is that what it, it's still 50 50 between the two of us. But you round up. We want to be positive, Daniel. This is why <laughs> math makes no sense to me. <laughs> but somehow I think I lost. <laughs> so you'll be hearing uh, wait, from me. Are, are you a history major? Yes. The only numbers that I worked with weren't even the numbers in the years. Because I couldn't remember those either. I think it was like the pages of the bottom of the book. <laughs> only numbers Turn I looked to at. to page 100. <laughs> it's like, oh, I know that. Read pages 51 to like 240 by tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you. Okay, but that's about it for today. Uh, have a good week, everybody. Everybody. Everybody keep the fire burning. Yes. We keep the fire burning. Thanks for joining keep us. Keep the fire burning. We keep the fire burning. <laughs> keep the fire burning. 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 Keep the fire burning. Why am I singing by myself? I thought that you were trying to go for a fade effect. Oh, no. I never fade. I abruptly end. I'm turn off the mic now. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>